So we're going to be all over tonight, so keep your Bibles handy. And uh, we'll start in the book of Acts, just real quick. And we're going to be moving right to the book of 1 Corinthians, and then 2 Corinthians, and then Ephesians, and then, yeah. So just keep your Bibles handy. We're going to be all over. So we're finishing up again the, the purpose, the purpose of the church. Um, so... And we talked about a whole bunch of things already. So the New Testament church is to glorify God. We, we looked at that a bunch through Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, the glorify God. Uh, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. And then we talked about uh, Ephesians 3.10, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, and we talked about that wisdom being manifested through grace, through God's grace. So we're to display God's grace. We are to evangelize the world. All right. So you all get it. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed. This stuff we're supposed to be doing. So ask yourself a question: What are we doing? Are we glorifying God? How are we glorifying God? How are you contributing to the church, glorifying God? Are we displaying God's grace? How are we displaying God's grace? How are you contributing? to Jerome Bible Baptist Church displaying God's grace. The same with evangelizing the world, baptizing believers, instructing believers. <coughs> I don't know if you know it right now, but we presently have at least four unsaved people, uh, admittedly, self-admittedly, unsaved people who are regularly attending church. At least four, and I think more. Um, there needs to be, this isn't just hoping the pastor says the right thing one Sunday. This is our responsibility and matter of fact, some of you have already had your own conversations, and we've talked about those things. Those are a blessing. Uh, but you need to pray for them. Yes, you also need to ev- help evangelize. You help and need instruct. You help and need to teach them about baptism and about Christ. Believers, we are to edify one another. I'm telling you, this is something churches just don't do. I'm, and I'm sorry, but we just don't. Churches do not edify each other. And I'm not talking about church to church, and I'm not talking about not having a program of edification you know, that there's, there's Sunday school, and, there, and those, are, those are things we should do. Although, Sunday school is something we've added, and I still think maybe we're misusing it as the original intent was. The original intent of Sunday school was outreach. The whole purpose of Sunday school was outreach. Preaching was the teaching time. And then believers are kind of expected to, you know, learn yourself. Get in the Bible and learn and talk. Sunday school... Uh, as a matter of fact, Brother Boonstra has been, was leaning on me and still is. I've got some of his books still um, the, leaning on me to help reinvent Sunday school. And we, we probably will take an, a swing at that down the road. But Sunday school was for, uh, anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. But that was for the, to fulfill the Great Commission was the purpose of Sunday school. Uh, so to edify each other means to build each other up. To, as iron sharpeneth iron. I mean, we don't turn into diamonds without there being some uh, chisels applied. <laughs> well, I'm talking about, we're all diamonds now. If you're a believer, you're on your way to heaven, but I'm talking about the ones that shine the light to the world. There has to be, there has to be sharpening involved and facets involved, and that, that's rough. We need to be, we need to be uh, helping each other, encouraging each other, and sometimes that encouragement and help comes in the form of, why did you do that? I, I mean, has anybody here ever played sports and not, and not had another guy go, 
Would you, would you see what this guy's doing to you? Oh, you need a tweak. Another step towards the baseline. Just one more step towards the baseline. Like, oh, okay. I, I, that matter of fact, that was my job. Uh, some of you guys, we, I played, if you played basketball, I played in a really small school. So by the time I was in fifth grade, I was sitting on the bench for JV. And by the time I was in JV, I was sitting on the bench doing playing time for varsity. And normally that playing time for JV for varsity was, Tim, come here. Yes, sir. Watch Matt. Yep. Okay, see what that guy's doing to him? Yep. All right, I'm going to put you in for two or three plays. And every time he does that, I want you to do this. Yes, sir. So then I would go in, and I would respond the way he wanted Matt to respond when he got back in, and that was my job. And let me tell you, that is corrective. That's saying, you're not doing this right. This is how you need to do this to make it better. Is everybody here? Because we're a team and we want to succeed. We can't have everybody walking around going, well, I can't believe they said that to me. Because <laughs> it's all about you, right? It's not a team here, right? Family, purpose, come on. We need to get out of this whole idea around the world that, well, we're all just individuals. Yes, we are all individuals. Well, you've got to do your own thing. No, you don't. You need to get involved. God designed us to work, at, to work in groups. He designed us to function with our individuality inside of a group. And guess what? That's called the church. And he's given us clear instructions on how to do that. And part of that is to edify each other. And matter of fact, we're going to get into a little bit more of that a little bit later uh, in this thing. But, so now we're going to move on to the last few things. We've got maybe seven, I think. Yes, yeah, seven things here. Well, I'm not going to cover one of them because I'm not so sure I agree with our teacher here, on this particular thing. I'll mention it, uh, but six things at least. So number one, as a church, we are to provide, listen, to provide Christian fellowship. Now that doesn't mean the church needs to have, it's beyond the church having organized fellowship times. You understand that? In other words, the nature of church members and church membership is fellowship, interaction, the nature. So look in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to look at several verses here that kind of support this, but Acts chapter 2, all these people get saved. It says in verse 41 that 3,000 people are added to the 120 that they had uh, on the day of Pentecost. So 3,000 people are added, and it says in verse 42, and they... Who? The 120 and now the 3,000 continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and what? And in breaking of bread and in prayers. Fellowship. That's fellowship with each other and with the apostles. Purposed. Purposed fellowship. Turn over to 1 Corinthians in chapter 1. Again, stay, stay with me here. We've got a lot of ground to cover. I would highly advise you write these verses down and go back and consider them. This is just under the general topic right now to provide Christian fellowship. Under 1 Corinthians in chapter 1, this is, and you have to have the context. Don't just look at this one verse. 1 Corinthians in chapter 1, <coughs> he talks about the foolish, God using the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And he says, he says, he, he starts talking about the unity of the gospel, how that we find our unity in the gospel, verse 23. And then verse he says, to the Jews it's a stumbling block, to the Greeks it's foolishness. And verse 24 he says, um, 
but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, okay, Christ the power of God. So again, he's, he's got this unification. He's talking about unification under the idea of Christ. And then if we go back to the, uh, uh, to the beginning, of course, he's writing to the church there, verse 5, I want you all enriched in him and all utterance and knowledge. Um, verse 7, that you, combined in no, that you come behind in no gift. <coughs> And he says in verse 9, God is faithful by whom ye, again, the plural word, were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, and that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. You see, you see what kind of fellowship he's talking about here. He's talking about a fellowship that is with Christ, but if we're fellowshipping with Christ, then we're going to end up fellowshipping with each other. Uh, you, find the, you find the connection? If you're not fellowshipping with Christ, you're going to have a hard time fellowshipping with Christians. Yeah, hello. Okay, let me make sure everybody's here. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, we have an example of that. Okay, 2 Corinthians in chapter 8, we have an example of that. <clears throat> where Paul is calling on another church. Remember, this is the Second Corinthians chapter eight and verse uh, chapters eight and nine, are uh, uh, where Paul is calling upon them to take part of the help of the gift of the saints in Jerusalem. And in chapter eight, verse four, he says, "Praying us with much entreaty, talking about the church in Macedonia, that we would receive their their gift and take upon us." the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. That This was their thought, that they as a group, as a body of believers, and this is actually kind of, this is a larger, but again, Christian fellowship, that they as a church would provide Christian fellowship with another church. And that fellowship was done with monetary things. I'm telling you, if you don't understand that we have a, we have more than just a dollar sign connection with our missionaries, but we have in that dollar sign there's a Christian fellowship that we are we are supporting them. We are supporting what the preaching of the gospel. We are supporting like-minded churches being planted. Uh, it's why I'm careful about missionaries that we support. Uh, what if the Lord was to move one of you all to one of these countries? Guess what? There'd be a church there like us. Different culture, obviously, but they have the same doctrine. We know, we support, you could go there. You know what I'm saying? You know, we have this, there's a Christian fellowship, and there needs to, it needs to be there. Um, turn to the book of Philippians. Just a couple pages, it shouldn't be that far from Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians in chapter 1. This kind of gives us something that we're, what are we fellowshipping around? What is this Christian fellowship? One of, what, what is one of the things? What, why do we call it Christian fellowship? Philippians in chapter 1, look at verse uh, 4. Oh, verse, verse 3, kind of the context. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making request with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day, until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What kind of fellowship? But somehow we think this is limited to some kind of a general terminology. No, the idea is 
that we fellowship around the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ, that our fellowship, listen, I understand and I I love to talk sports. I I do uh, love to talk about it with my son and uh, with the guys and Brother Craig and I, we enjoy it. But you know, and that's, those are good things. There's nothing wrong with talking about the weather, the sports, some of the issues at home. But a, but a Christian body needs to have fellowship around the gospel, the good things of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, one of the great privileges my wife and I had when we went, we just recently we got to go down and preach for Faith Baptist Church in Olathe, Kansas, Pastor Wes Stewart there, uh, and we, got, we had totally forgotten about it, but a young couple had requested, say, hey, would, can you uh, t- talk to their pastor, said, can we have the Knutsons, can we take them out to eat on Friday night? Because I got to lead the husband to the Lord, and his wife got to lead, my, my wife got to lead his, his wife to the Lord, and then we got to do some fellowshipping with, training some of them. They were in my Sunday school class helping build them up uh, in in the things of the Lord, and now they're faithful members at that church. What a blessing that was to be able to go and sit, and again, and oh, I, let's see, you know how, how that whole mess started was, um, we were having an a activity, a home builders activity, so all our, my age, you know, all our families with kids, and uh, on one end of the, this big fellowship hall, we had a bunch of uh, video games set up, so Wii's, you guys know what the Wii is? You know, where you have to actually do action, so here's a whole bunch of middle-aged people, none, no kids, just all us middle-aged people down there boxing each other and playing baseball and all that. And on the other end, when we'd swap out, there was a table. And just randomly, because we're believers, it's not something we decided to do, people started giving their testimonies. Well, I got saved this way. Well, I got saved this way. Well, I got saved this way. And it got around to this lady, and she's like, I... I I don't know that I have a testimony. And one of the ladies grabbed her arm and said, come on, we need to go see Miss Dana. (laughs) Right to Miss Dana upstairs. So while we're having fellowship around fun and fellowship around the gospel, it put put the conviction around this lady's heart and she got saved. Why? Because we were having fellowship, Christian fellowship. Amen. This should not be a secret thing. It should not be just be talking about the projects that we're doing of late or the family issues that we're having late, that we need to have Christian fellowship. Amen. Fellowship around. Now, I would encourage you, go look up 1 John. Read 1 John chapter 1. And I, we don't have time to go there at the moment. But I'm going to just tell you, read 1 John chapter 1. It says, if there's no Christian fellowship, that means there's no evidence of the, that person walking in the light. Because walking in the light produces Christian fellowship. Go, go read 1 John chapter 1 and you'll see it. A Christian who is walking in the light will have fellowship with his brethren. Amen. And the, the not having fellowship, and I'm just telling you, you, you can call yourself spiritual and religious all you want. You do not have Christian fellowship with Christian brothers. You, are, you might be a believer, but you're not presently walking in the light. No matter what you think, that's, that's Bible black and white. So stop using your thinking ideas about how good good I am or not and use the Bible black and white to tell you how you are or aren't. I'm telling you, this is just the way Christians should function. But anyways, 1 John chapter 1. Read that through. Do some thinking on that, especially the first eight or nine verses. All right. So what is the basis of Christian fellowship? Anybody got an idea? (laughs) What would the basis of Christian fellowship be? Christ. Exactly. 
uh, 1 John 1, 3, I think. If I'm... If I'm <laughs> since I sent you all the 1 John already. First John chapter 1, verse 3. <coughs> that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. That's good stuff. Very good stuff. So the basis of our Christian fellowship is Christ. Christian fellowship. No big surprise there. The nature of Christian fellowship somewhat... Some examples we'd have, you know, there's, no, um, there's no clean, clear doctrine, although I, we can find verses all through it, and we're going to look at a lot of verses that kind of hover around this idea. But if you look at, just kind of read through the, the early Christians of Acts chap, in Acts, Acts chapter 2 and some of those, and you'll, you'll discover some of what is the nature of Christian fellowship. They shared with each other. They took care of each other. They helped each other. This was, of course, a time of great need and great persecution for Christians, um, I, I'm not into this whole bit that Jesus was a communist because they had all things common, okay? okay? And that, there are people that say that, that Jesus was a communist because the disciples had all things common at this time. But we have to understand that what that means was if somebody had something and somebody else had a need, they, they helped, they shared. Well, that's not communism. That's Christianity. That's Christianity. We're not talking about forced communalism, okay? We're talking about God working through the, the nature of heart. It does not mean that everyone suddenly had the same median income because they all just started sharing their, sharing their money. That's not at all what happened there. Um, but those who, those who had great money, they, they were able to give more. Those who had less still gave. There was no less of giving there. But anyways, the nature of Christian fellowship, obviously, is there's a sharing there. There's a bearing one another's burdens. I would encourage you... When you're reading through, when you're thinking about Christian fellowship, read through the Bible, and when you see verses that talk about our interaction with other believers, understand that that is teaching us what Christian fellowship is supposed to look like. How do we bear you one another's burdens? Well, I'm telling you, grabbing up your prayer list and praying for your, praying for your friends or praying for your fellow members, literally, actually praying for them, and then double-checking every once in a while. Hey, how's this going? I'm telling you, that sometimes that's as much as you do. Sometimes it's just sitting with someone while they're crying. You don't have to have, you know, nice little words to say. As a matter of fact, often it's better not to say anything. Just be there. You know what I'm saying? If they joy, joy with them. <clears throat> you know, what, how awful it would be for, like, Brother Whitaker over there. Man, God is just doing some amazing things over there. I mean, doing things I'm looking at going... Dude, that is amazing. I can't wait for that to happen here. But how awful it would be for me to go, well, how come God's not doing that here? He calls me and says, God's doing this, God's doing that. Well, great, good for you. Is that Christian fellowship? You hear what I'm saying? No, Christian fellowship means, man, God's doing good things. I'm going to joy with their joy. And as a church, that needs to be done that way as well. But anyways, so read through when you're thinking about what is the nature? What does that mean, Christian fellowship? Uh, What is the destroyer of Christian fellowship? (laughs) <laughs> you all know this. It's not hard. First Corinthians 10, Matthew 18. What is the destroyer of Christian fellowship? What's that? Well, what, is, what destroys your fellowship with Christ? Sin. 
And our, the, remember, the basis of our Christian fellowship is based upon our relationship with Christ. So therefore, sin is something that will destroy Christian fellowship. <clears throat> have you ever, have you ever uh, had a friend or a neighbor or a family member, and they start telling you about what's going on at their church, and you're like, that's messed up. You hear what I'm saying? That, that ain't right. That, that's messed up. What's going on? That, do you hear what I'm saying? I, I've, I've been, I know I have been in a church where there's a guilty conscience. The church had a guilty conscience. And you could feel it. You couldn't tell what it was about, but then nobody wanted to talk. As soon as church is over, poof. They're all gone, no fellowship, nobody wants to show up at fellowship. Why? Because there's a guilty conscience. There's sin somewhere in the church and somebody knows about it and it's unconfessed and so it prevents the fellowship of the church body. Amen. <coughs> if, you've got, if you've got things uh, in your heart that it could be hindering your fellowship with the church. Amen. And with other believers. If you find yourself consistently making friends of lost people and not being able to make friends of saved people, that's a problem. That, that's a problem. That's a problem. That's an evidence of something most likely in your life that needs to be taken care of. The destroyer of Christian fellowship is sin. Number four, the responsibility. So grab your Bibles. I'm not going to be able to talk here consistently. Um, I'm going to just cough and cough and cough. So I'm going to give out some verses. Uh, so I need somebody to look up John 3. So who's going to look up John 3 for me? 23 and 24. Brother Craig, okay? John 3, 23 and 24, Brother Craig. I need somebody to look up Galatians 6, 2. It don't matter. So Galatians 6, 2. Ladies, guys, kids, it don't matter. I just need somebody to read the text for me. So Brother, Brother Jerry, Galatians 6, 2. I need somebody to look up uh, Romans 14. Okay, Miss, Miss Kelly, you've got verses 13 and 19. So Romans 14, verses 13 and 19. I need somebody to look up James 5, 16. James 5, okay. Brother Greg, James 5, 16. Okay. <coughs> um, I need somebody to look up 1 Thessalonians 4. First Thessalonians, Miss, Miss Giselle, First Thessalonians four eighteen. If you're feeling really good, you can add five eleven to that. Okay, we've already talked about edifying, so I won't cover that. Um, I need somebody to look up Romans fifteen fourteen. Romans fifteen fourteen. Who'll read that one for me, Brother Allen? Romans fifteen fourteen. Okay, and this will be a fun one. Ephesians 5.11. Who can look up Ephesians, Brother Andy? Ephesians 5.11. Okay. <coughs> and I'm going to go to a, a passage here in a minute here. I'm going to have you all read these verses. And then you're going to tell us what are the responsibilities of Christian fellowship when we read these verses? Okay? 
So I'll, we'll just start with the person who's reading it. What, what does it seem like? What is the responsibilities of Christian fellowship? So we're going to start with uh, John 3, 23 and 24. Brother Craig, if you'd read that good and loud. No, that's not the right verse. I wonder if that's supposed to be First John. I bet you that is. Of course, it's one of the ones I didn't look up. <clears throat> it's all. It catches me every time. Yeah, that's the one. Yep, First John. First John, brother Craig. My bad. I'm going to correct that right now while I got it. Yeah, First John three twenty three and twenty four. First John three twenty three and twenty four. Okay, so what in this passage is the commandment to believers in relation to Christian fellowship are we, are we told to do? Love one another. And what is love in the Bible? It's not a special way of feeling. It's, it's action. It is action. That, this is why, let, let me tell you, that you really need to grasp this, and I, maybe I should go back and preach on this again. This is why the love of Christ is better if we just do what God says. Because if you wait for a feeling, there's some people, you're just not going to feel like loving, ever. We have personality conflicts, but there's never a reason that you can't have an act of love towards them. You can always do that. And you know how to do that. Because what would you do for someone that you feel towards? You do the same thing for them, acts of self-service. All right. Who has Galatians 6 2? Hmm. Any guesses? Now, I, I want to. This is a hard one, okay? So, the command there is that we're supposed to, if we see a brother with a burden, it's not to make sure everyone knows I have a burden. Right. Now, at the same time, if you're at your wit's end, this is the place to be. Did you understand that? If you just don't know what to do anymore, this is where you come. You come to the body of the believers who are following Christ. You don't go to Dr. Phil or the bookstore or Oprah you come to the body of believers. This is where you find Christian fellowship and encouragement and edification. And at the very least, you get a group of people who will sit and pray with you. You don't go from church. You come to church. Church is for needy people. It's not for the perfect. It never has been. Bear ye one another's burdens. Amen. We ought to bear one another's burdens. And that's all kinds. Amen. Who's got Romans 14, verses 13 and 19, Miss Kelly?
Amen. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help with where this one's going. I think you kind of get the idea, but let me, let me lay it out for you this way. As we are to prefer the weaker brother. The, and it's interesting, if you read that passage, it doesn't always make it cl- clear who is the weaker. If you think you're the stronger, then the other person is the weaker. Do you understand that? The idea is, is that you make for things with peace for them. You don't try to argue. You don't turn everything into an argument. You don't turn everything into a, a disagreement. You, you turn it into, how can I be a help? I, I just remember, even, even here, um, Brother Luke and I having this conversation, just the last time we were here in this, uh, in this room, talking about certain things that when we're with certain people, and they would have issues that, that we just don't do those things. You know, there's, word, there's words that might be acceptable at my house, other people might have an issue for it. Why would you just purposefully tromp all over something they have trouble with? You know what I'm saying? Is everybody here? Well, I've got to guide my life, but what everybody else wants. That would be the selfless thing to do, would it not? Do you think Christ, you know, that was just, he really wanted to go to the cross? Just his favorite thing ever was to get crown of thorns bashed on his head and nails punctured through in his, right? That's what he wanted, right? No, he did that for us. And we can't just put up with, you know, not saying a certain Christian slang word or uh, listening to certain music when other people are around or whatever. Do you hear what I'm saying? Is everybody here? Okay. Prefer the weaker brother. All right, who has James 5.16? Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So there's a couple things in there, but what would you say the predominant thought of the verse is is about? Pray for each other. Pray for each other. Pray for each other. I love how it starts off with confess your faults one to another. I'm telling you, there's nothing greater than to know you're struggling with something deeply and really want to get rid of it and just are upset with yourself. And I just don't understand how come I can't beat this than to have another brother walk up beside you and go, I know exactly what you're feeling. (laughs) I know exactly. Can we just pray together about it? Because I'm fighting the same thing. Do you know how much encouragement that is? Instead of over there going, well, they're better than me, and they're better than me. No, they're, they're probably struggling with some of the same stuff you are. Confess your faults one to another. That's, again, that broad spectrum. Amen. Pray for each other. Pray for each other. Well, that means I might have to open up and you'll tell somebody that I got faults. You don't think they got a picture of that idea already? Yeah, but I don't want to admit it. Well, that's fine. You're missing out on sitting down with somebody who might love you to death and pray for you and understand exactly there's nothing new under the sun. They might understand exactly what you're going through. Amen. All right, who has 1 Thessalonians? Is that you, Miss, Miss G? So 4.18 and 5.11, if you don't mind. Amen. So what do you, what do you think the main thought is there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Comfort and exhort. You think about soldiers on the front lines of a battle line. Uh, they might holler at each other, but usually it's because that's the language they're used to. But it's usually in helping them do what needs to be done on the field and helping them to, because you know what? Uh, this, this life is full of hardships. And there's a lot of other stuff we'd rather do. There's a lot of stuff we don't want to do. Comfort each other. Help each other. Admonish each other. Exhort one another. You can do this. Come on. You've got this. It's okay. You're going to make it. You can do this. It, this, this. One of my favorite phrases, you know those things that, you're, that your parents say that drive you nuts? And then you get old enough going, I can't get it out of my head now, but now I'm beginning to see it's right. My dad had this thing he always used to say. I'd be in the middle of something going, ah, 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 and he'd say, this too shall pass. <laughs> you're right. You're right. It doesn't last forever. Comfort one another with these words. And use Bible to do it. Don't use platitudes. And, and listen, be careful. I love, social media is a great way to communicate. It's also a great way to misuse scripture beyond belief. Beware of meme use of scripture. <clears throat> if you don't know what meme is, praise the Lord. But beware of meme use of scripture. Because the world misuses scripture all the time. And memes are horrible at misusing scripture. Find some good story in the Bible, some good verse that actually applies, and use it for yourself and use it for others. Amen. Not platitudes. Memes are these nice little, you know, here's a sticker. You'll feel all better after that. No. Scripture is, scripture is bricks that we help lift someone up and put a nice foundation under them. Lift them up a little further and put a nice foundation under them. Something they can come back to and look at and say, you're right, that is true. That is helpful. Amen. I, we got to get moving. We're, y'all are slowing me down. No, just kidding. Um, let's see, where are we at? Um, first, the, who has, did I do Hebrews? Oh, we did edification. Yep, admonish. Who has Romans 15, 15 14? Hear that? To admonish one another. Oh, we can't do that. If you're going to have Christian fellowship, you are. You mean you, you want me to tell someone that they need to you know, straighten up and fly right? Yes. Admonish one another. And you understand. Um, <coughs> matter of fact, let's just bundle that in. So who has, who has Ephesians? Brother Andy, do you have that one? Ephesians 5.11, is that what I gave you? Reprove. We have to admonish each other. When we see works of darkness in each other, we need to reprove them. Okay? Now, uh, John 13, 14. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this verse to you. John, oh, I started looking around and lost my place. So, John 13, <coughs> 14. <clears throat> says, Jesus says, If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. <clears throat> you understand that Jesus is making a bigger picture here. Okay? He's, the, the picture of washing feet is that they have walked through the world 
and their feet have gotten dirty by walking through the streets of the world. And when they came in to fellowship with each other, they stopped at the door and they washed each other's feet. They helped cleanse off some of the dirt that they'd picked up from the world. You are picking up dirt from the world all the time. This world is constantly trying to conform you. Every movie you watch, every book you read, every billboard you see, every radio program you listen to. I mean, it, it is this nonstop. Now, does that mean it's all, you know, ah, wicked and evil and we need to go run up on the mountain? No. It's the cost of being believers in the world. You are going to get dirt on you. And every once in a while, somebody needs to come along and say, uh, your slip is showing. Your dirt is showing. Okay, we, we need to, you know, hey, we don't, we don't need that kind of language. You, you need to, you know, or we don't believe in that kind of stuff. I had a whole conversation about this, this uh, riding, riding with a bunch of kids, and they're all talking about this TV show, a bunch of college-age kids, and all talking about this TV show, and I just wasn't saying anything. And all of me saying, how come you haven't said anything? He says, because I don't allow that show at my house. Well, why not? I says, because it's full of innuendo. The, whole, the show is full of innuendo. Like, then they had to explain what innuendo was. That's great. Bunch of college-age kids. Like, oh. <clears throat> and then they're going, oh, you're right. It is. It's like, yeah, I, I mean, I, not, that it's, not that it's completely wicked, but why do I need to have that in my house when I, my brain runs that trouble anyways? My brain runs down that pathway anyways. I don't need help. And, there, and it was all, I wasn't trying to rebuke them. I, wasn't, I just was like, no, I just don't do that. And you could see them going, oh, maybe help just knock a little bit of dirt off. At least you can be aware that you are, listen, you, it don't matter how long you think you've been saved or a believer, you are being affected and imprinted on by the world. And there's some dirt that needs to be cleaned off sometimes. Amen. So wash each other's feet. That's what that admonishment and rebuke is. It's not this thing where you walk around going, Bless God, I'm the standard around here and you got to match up with me. No. The idea is, oh, you got some dirt. Oh, oh, me too? Oh, yeah, let's get that washed off. Here, okay, anyways. <clears throat> I'm going to get a few others here real quick. To confess your faults one to another, James 5.16, which we already looked at. To forgive one another, these you should know. According to Galatians 6.1, to restore each other. Amen. <clears throat> And I hate to say it, but we're going to have to do another Wednesday night. i got six more things on here. Are you all okay if I do another Wednesday night so I don't go another half an hour tonight? Okay. There's some good stuff coming. But I'm telling you, this is, this is good stuff. Listen, we, we as a church understand Christian fellowship is necessary. And lost people, listen, lost people, when they come into our group, but like when we, have, when we do have some fellowships, so maybe age-specific, or maybe the teens get together, maybe the older folks get together, maybe some of the married couples get together, and we have lost people that come in on that, they need to hear Christian fellowship. I'm not, don't be fake. Don't be fake. I'm telling you, one of the best, you talk about how hard it is to remember what the preacher may have preached on, you know, the last service. Like the preacher's family doesn't have the same trouble sometimes. Okay? You, you want to know how to help cure that? Talk about it. Talk to your kids about it. Well, did you hear what the preacher said about this? I never thought about that verse that way. Or do you know this verse? Or maybe some of the, yeah, you know, when he said that, I thought of this situation. You hear what I'm saying? Or, you know, here's another way to think about that. Da, 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 da. You hear? That's Christian fellowship. 
Talk about the things of the Lord. Talk about Christ. Talk about the Lord. Make it something that's not awkward in your house to bring up Jesus and talk about Jesus at the house. When everybody starts going... I'm not saying that's all you've got to talk about. But if you're going to talk about football and it be okay, it should be just as okay for you to talk about... I, I, one of the greatest things ever is to, to have my kids now, the older kids, uh, Autumn call back and say, just the other day, is it true that the whole thing about bunnies and, and Easter eggs, that's like from worshiping the god Ashtoreth? I'm like, yeah, Ishtar, Ashtoreth, yeah. Wow. As we start talking back and forth about... Well, that's why I'm not too big. Yeah, I don't, I don't, we don't do bunnies and eggs and all that. Now, we might do something around our house because it's chocolate, you know. Kids like chocolate. But that's why I'm not going to have our church go do Easter egg hunts. Why would we practice and thing that they used to worship the goddess Ishtar with? If you want to do it at your house, great. Why should our church do that? You know what I'm saying? And then I hear my son call back and he says, boy, I'm enjoying this class. I said, really, what part about your class are you doing? Hearing him say, well, like this part, and we talk, and we get into talking about the things of the Lord and talking about things of preaching. That should not be awkward at your house. It should be a, a part of it. And if you need to change the culture, dads, change the culture. <laughs> Amen. Change the culture. Make it okay to talk about Peter walking on the sea and... You know, find, I mean, making, and I'm, I'm being even serious about this, not, not in a wrong way, but there's nothing wrong with using the Bible as a source of your jokes and things like that. <coughs> who's, the tallest, who's the smallest man in the Bible? Well, it's Bildad the Shuhite. No, it's Ezra or Nehemiah because he sat upon his watch. I mean, you know, there's, you know th- those are things just constantly, you're bringing those things in. You hear what I'm saying? Did you, let's... Let, Yes, we can talk about football. My son and I talk about football. We talk about the team and what's going on in the team. But it also ought to be okay to, to read Luke 2 on Christmas and not everybody sit there going, can't wait till he gets done with this. You hear what I'm saying? Change the culture in your house. And we need to change the culture here too. So when, when, when we have the final amen at church and you walk out the door, how about maybe we help each other carry the message out the door? And not leave it in the pew and start thinking about supper or dinner or whatever event. Not that those things are wrong. Not that it's wrong for us to talk about other things that are going on. But bring these things up. Let's talk about Christ. Let's talk about Christ with each other. And if it's awkward, just work past it. Muscle past it. You can do it. I believe in you. Because some of these conversations are deadly serious and need to happen. And somebody here probably needs the encouragement. They need to know that all you think about ain't your job. Did that make sense? Or whatever else it is. Amen. God is good. Let's, let's encourage each other in Christian fellowship. Let's help provide it for each other and for those around us. Father.